Here we go, one and one. Hit well, right field, deep. Looking up, that baby's gone. Julio Rodriguez. And look at that. That was Julio's second home run of the game, which eventually led to the Mariners coming back to win 9-7, to which I guess that tie made some kind of inspiration. And Julio Rodriguez, he, he really played well today. Not only did he give two home runs for the Mariners, but he also gave me two home runs for my fantasy team. And thanks in part to that, I am completely dominating dominating this guy as if I need to win some other guy to lose because I'm tied for a playoff spot. Besides the point, let's look at these fools. They've already commented before we even started. We got Sleepy going, <laughs> that rooftop was already getting a negative video ready, but we came back to win. I Yeah, I was going to be here negative or positive. Uh, Trident well, and I already planned it anyway. I Gosh. have a video ready. I'll be honest. Yeah, I, he did. He really did. Let's celebrate the Mariners and Astros won. No, I no, not, I can't celebrate Astros winning. Sorry, buddy. I, I will say the Astros are close to passing the Rangers. So, I mean, at this point. Which you don't want because Texas, I think, is more vulnerable to a division than the Houston Astros are. But anyways, the Mariners came back and won, and it seemed early in the game. I was thinking, man, they really got – they really must have felt emotionally devastated after Colton Wong took the lead yesterday only to watch the bullpen completely blow it. And some of you may have saw me on Twitter, including the Trident, where I was just railing Scott's service all night long, and some dude named Shane was like, you're insane. How could you say that? And I, oh my gosh, when it just went back and forth, I was trolling other like root sports pe people and said, including Jen Mueller, I was like, yes, this is Scott Service's fault because he put in Paul Seawald. No, he put in Andres Munoz over Paul Seawald. Yeah, what? He pitched three of the last four days. Well, you shouldn't have pitched him on Sunday. And then you made him pitch, made him pitch anyway. And then you made him pitch today. But besides the point, Mariners won the game. Hopefully this is the inspire. No, it won't be. This will be the back and forth seesaw thing that they're going to do, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, and it's kind of been what they've done. Great win. I mean, a great win and a great comeback. So certainly I'm very happy. I mean, every time this team and I did, I was ready to do, I almost did a video in the middle of the game when they were down four, nothing going, I'm just, this team's not doing it. They're done. It's not happening. I don't think they're terrible, but it's just not happening. They're 500. Just forget the playoffs. It's over. And then they come back and win, and they get my hopes back up. And we were talking before we jumped on that, I mean, this team probably should be on a six-game winning streak right now. And I'm certainly not one to – I've been more defensive of, of Scott and just some of the decisions. But even I did yesterday, if you watch my video, I was very critical. Um, I thought I was getting too cute yesterday with the Munoz-Seawald switch. I think you go with what's working, and Munoz hasn't quite been as dominant this he year. Hasn't. Last year. That injury still yeah. must be doing something to him. Yeah. Last year, maybe I'm fine with that, but this year, and then in the Toronto game, I thought it was actually, and I'm not here to just turn this into a bash Scott fest, but I thought it was one of his worst managed games. I thought there was a lot of letting Colton Wong bat in the sixth inning I thought was dumb. Um, he goes to Paul down four to three, which is fine, but why didn't, if you're going to use Paul, then why not go to Paul in the seventh inning against Toronto, uh, Toronto in a tie game. If you're going to use them in a non-safe situation, then use them in the tighter. Yeah, don't use them when it's pointless. And yeah, like why use them in a four, three game if you're not going to use them in, but anyways, great win. I shouldn't be. Yeah. Well, and we wanted to go over it, but before we do, Look at those numbers, 696 subs. Help me get, wait, no, not 696. What am I doing to myself? I'm lying to you guys. Make that 596 subs. Get me to 600 by the end of the show. And most importantly, get me to 1,000 so I can start making quarters. So I can, you know, I can use the quarters to play Little Miss Pac-Man or, I don't know, some arcade game somewhere. Come on, get me some quarters, at least. Anyways, let's go over the summary. I'm going to cover the Twins portion of the scoring. We got the Trident that's going to cover the Mariners portion of the scoring. And once we get to where it's in the middle of the innings, I'm going to have my little thing on Gabe Spire being pulled after one inning after three strikeouts. But let's go over the Twins. First, it starts with Julian 
He triples down to left center field where Carlos Correa scores, who tends to be the Mariner killer. Max Kepler singles to right field. Jillian scores. Walner homers to right field. And Max Kepler scores, which made it four to nothing. Now, what happened in the second inning? Well, we got, I guess, moving Julio to the um, fifth spot was the key. As I, let me pull it up here. As Julio Rodriguez homered with one out in the top of the second um, to get the Mariners on board four to one. We'll get into Julio a little bit too later on, but that was good to see. Um, turned on, looked like a high two seamer, pretty misplaced pitch from Lopez. Actually, the Mayors might get a little rally going because Julio homered, and then Mike Ford walked with one out, and you know, four to one, runner at first, one out. Ty France stepped up and ground into a double play, and then the Twins responded. They did respond in not so long after in the third bottom of the third. We got Castro tripling down the left field, right field, and Max Kepler scored. And then what happened after that? It was something very special. It was the first major league home run for Mr. Cade Marlowe. Had a great game, by the way. I know Julio will be the focus, and rightfully so. But uh, Cade Marlowe was fantastic today. He hits his first major league home run in the top of the fifth inning, and it went to left center, so he went the other way with it. Um, pretty put a pretty good jolt on the ball and cut the lead to five to two. And he did redeem himself considering that he had a boneheaded oopsie fielding play yeah. earlier in the game. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. He took a very odd route on the Julian. Um, who, who that guy, by the way, I swear the Maris can just not get out at all. I've never seen a guy dominate a team as much as that Julian guy has done it. But yeah, he took a weird route on the ball that I thought was catchable. Um, but, you know, and kind of opened the floodgates in the first. And it would have been a tough play. But definitely took a very odd route on it, I thought. But he, he redeemed himself. He really did. Got on base as well. And now bottom of the six, we got Solano. Oh, here was the issue I had. So Gabe Spire pitched. A, he took over for the struggling George Kirby, which our starters have unnoticeably, uncharacteristically have been a little bit streaky lately, which nobody really wants to admit because everyone just looks at the ERA. As long as it's below four, they'll say it's godly. But anyways, Gabe Spire came in. He struck out three batters in a row and then brought in, I can't, it Campbell. was like, Campbell. it was a Campbell and then immediately gave up a sacrifice fly. And I was thinking at that time when you're starting pitching of George Kirby didn't really do George Kirby things. I was thinking if, if Spire had, and a very impressive inning. I was thinking he should have gotten at least maybe one more inning. And yes, if it didn't work out, I would have been like, okay, fine. But at least Scott Service tried something different that I would have appreciated. Because I don't want to be the hypocrite going, oh, well, Scott Service. Oh, yeah, Scott Service, you should put Gates Fire in. Oh, and if he gave up runs, and be like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. No, I would, have, I would have still stuck to it and say, no, that was a good decision. But anyways, he put in... That guy, I don't even know his name. Isaiah Campbell, Isaiah Campbell yeah, gave up yeah. that run, and I was thinking that's where I thought I was a little bit too cute. Should have gave him one more inning because we got to save the bullpen because they're a little bit burned out. And then take it the rest of the way, at least until the ninth inning. What happened after Solano? Yeah, I will add too. I, I and as again, I'm someone that's kind of defended Scott more so, certainly probably than Rooftop has. I agree with I, you know, especially against this Twins lineup that is so levy, levy, lefty heavy. Um, I guess I combined the two words there. I, I think with the bullpen thin, it wouldn't have been a bad idea to send Spire out there for a second inning as well. If you're going to do it, do it against this lineup. But first, let's get to the top of the eighth, actually, because 6-2, top of the eighth. And after a couple innings where JP let off with the double in the sixth, they didn't do anything. Um, in the top of the seventh, um, Ty singles and Cade Marlowe doubles, second and third, two outs. They don't score. The game's over. You know, it's 6-2, top of the eighth. They're not going to score. The Twins have one of the best closers in baseball in Duran. They just got to get three outs to get to him. And then the top of the eighth happens. First of all, there's no um, Duran or anything. Obviously not going to come the eighth. It's Moron, M Moran, not Moran. Moran, Moran. <laughs> <laughs> Moran comes in. JP walks. Gino walks. So first and second, starting to think maybe we got something here. You never know. And then Cal Raleigh doubles to score JP. Gino's at third, second and third. Um, Teoscar grounds out and he hit that ball pretty hard. I'm not, I won't get Teo too much for that. I thought that was pegged for uh, center field, made it 6 4. And then probably his biggest hit of the season, maybe 
Julio Rodriguez. Hold that thought. I got to do this. Here we go, one-on-one. Hit well right field, deep, looking up. That baby's gone. Julio. Julio's first multi-home run game of the season. We got clutch Julio. Uh, Fernando, I agree. Um, Wong's bunt, we'll get to that too. But, yeah, very clutch to see. Um, and that tied the game up. That was it then in the top of the eighth. Then we get we get a great Matt Brash inning in the bottom of the eighth. Then we get to the top of the ninth. And little things that start rallies. Cade Marlowe works a really solid walk. Steals set flick. I do agree with you, but I got to celebrate the win. We got to enjoy it. Um, steals second base. Colton Wong lays down a fantastic bunt. So we've got clutch Colton um, the last two games here. He should have been the hero last night. Um, and he lays down. I wonder how Colton felt last night. If I were him, I'd have been like, yo, Andres, what the leap? His one shining moment as a Mariner was taken away. It's already taken away. Yep. <laughs> the one time he does something other than the Yankees game. <laughs> the fact that we remember his well, greatest I, moments of a, as a Mariner really shows how much he's been struggling this year. Four of them. Actually, I don't think it's four. I think it's three. <laughs> and then um, and then the two. But he singles on a great bunt uh, by Colton Wong there. JP's hit by a pitch. Looks like he had a little, was a little banged up. So we'll see. So then bases loaded, nobody out, which is the Mariners' kryptonite, at least in the late innings of games. But Gino's ground ball just finds the fair area down the line for a double. Teo adds a sack fly. Nine to six Mariners going to the bottom of the ninth. And then what happens? And then Michael Taylor hit a home run. Looks, And I was thinking when I was on the way yeah. to the casino, because as soon as Eugenio Suarez hit that, rbi two rbis i was i immediately jumped in my car and was going to put money on the twins to win i would have done it yesterday and made like 70 something 50 something dollars but i was stuck at work and in washington online gambling sports is still illegal or not even i can't even do it but this time i i was in the car heard a home run i was like okay i really gotta get down there before it's too late and then by the time it was two outs i I turned my car around and went home and then texted this guy going, yep, we're going to do the show at eight o'clock. Yep. It was, it was just too late to get that last. You needed it yesterday. Needed it I yesterday. really did. <laughs> I, it hurts. I am 50 bucks short and well, I would have been another night. I would have lost $9 today, but whatever. But other than that, the Mariners won and Paul Seawald kudos him. other than the fact he gave up a run. But when you, when he's already been taxed for the last few days, you it really shouldn't be surprising. Mm -hmm. Well, and Paul always seems to give up that, like when he has a three-run lead, um, gives up that one run or two to kind of make it more interesting. But uh, he locks that. I agree, Sleepy. A, a really a great win. It, it's a shame because I – not a shame, but like I really feel like they should have been be on a six-game winning streak right now. But they, you know what? I will say this. They won the last series against Toronto. Should have swept. But they won the series, and they do have a chance to win this series tomorrow. I mean, that that that's good. That that is a good thing. Got to win tomorrow, but oh, yeah. which is why I'm heading to the casino tomorrow morning to put money on the Twins, even though it's a uh, Twins are favored, which means you won't win as much. But could I really see the Mariners winning two of three in Minnesota? I know I'm a negative Nancy, but I don't well, see it. The team's done that to us this year. I mean, that's. Every time we get a little bit like I did my post game from the hotel after the Saturday game, and I was like, this is the best I felt about this team really all year. And then they go up 2 nothing on Sunday. I'm like, they're going to sweep this series. They're going to do it. They've got me back, and then they find a way to lose that. Then yesterday happens. So, it, you know, it's – Really uh, could have made some money this week because I would have – I was going I would have bet on the Toronto Blue Jays on Sunday. Flick calls me a blasphemy. Well, you're entitled – well, here's the thing. I'm a, I'm a YouTube channel. I'm a Mariner YouTube channel that doesn't say nice things. Am I like everyone else? No. And if I was, I would be less noticeable in some way. Betting on the other team will get you a half-season ban. I bet against the Mariners a lot last year. And put it this way. If Mariners lose, I win money. If the Mariners win, it's reverse jinx. I, I now, told you. Yeah. Rooftop before we started this, I actually did a season once um, for football where I bet against the Seahawks every Sunday, and I just looked at it. I had a buddy, too, that was a Cubs fan, 
and actually bet against the Cubs in the Marlins series in 03. And I took the strategy from him. He goes, either I win money or my team wins. So either way, I'm going to leave. I mean, I, I always, leave happy with something. Yeah, I, I always rooted for the Seahawks to win. I did not want them to lose, but I took it like if they lost, oh, I got 30 bucks at least out of it or something. So no matter what, there was something positive to take away from each game. <laughs> yeah, but this guy, he disagrees one a big time. Oh, looks like the Angels lost. Honestly, oh, I'm not concerned about the Angels that much because – they're pretty much in hopelessness. Oh, we got Starks. Hello. Hit that What's subscribe up, button. Help me get some quarters so I can go to an arcade. You're not speechless, Flick. That's impossible. Oh, Sleepy. I got Snoqualmie Casino. That's where I go. Uh, this guy does online because he's in Arizona. But let me say this. Ever since the Jared Kelnick injury, the Mariners have actually played a lot, a little bit better. They have been 4-2. and two since that injury, and it reminds me of a long time ago when Ken Griffey Jr. suffered that injury with that wrist, that amazing play at center field. And when that happened, Randy Johnson fell down. Their hope was lost. They were thinking the Mariners were going to fold. But Randy Johnson said something, and he was reflecting on this season. He goes, yeah, when we were talking as a team, we had a couple choices. Either we can just fold and just wait till Griffey gets back and we'll lose a lot of games, or we could just believe in ourselves, work with what we have, and try to at least stay afloat until Griffey comes back. And that's exactly what the Mariners did in 95. And as soon as Griffey came back, the rest was history for that run in September of 95. And, and what's happened now is Jared Kelnick, and it looks like his – ETA is a little bit sooner than expected. So maybe if the Mariners do play somewhat good-ish like they are right now, maybe they'll be ready for Jared Kelnick's return. But the one thing I will note, Mariners slightly have struck out maybe a little bit less with Jared Kelnick's departure. Now, I'm not saying that he's no good to the team. He's a clutch guy. But something that Mariners can salvage and take advantage of is the slightly limiting strikeouts. I would have to look it up and see if that's true. Yeah. But when you have anyone else but Jared, can't strike out any more than he could, could he? Unless you have Taylor Trammell, who knows? But <laughs> things I've noticed is when teams face adversity, especially an injury to a key player like Jared Kelnick, teams are left with a choice, two choices. Either just fold and just sell or believe in themselves and keep winning. Because I saw a lot of YouTubers out there, including this one guy, not going to say his name, He's like, yeah, the Mariners should just sell and just forget about it. Let it go. I was like, no, Mariners are still in the race. They just got to believe in themselves. Just step up. You got guys like Dylan Moore that can step up. And now you got Cade Marlowe, who is who at least stepped up today. So just because one player goes down doesn't mean it's the end of the world. There's other opportunities out there. And as decent the Mariners farm system have, someone can step up. Yeah, and you never know who it's going to be. I mean – how many players around the league are guys? I mean, there's some great prospects that were top prospects all the way to become great players. There's other guys that were, you know, maybe more mid-level prospects to become great. Maybe Cade Marlowe is the next, you know, good starting outfielder for this baseball team. Maybe he's, I can't think of anybody top of my head right now. I'm not going to compare to the Griffies and stuff, but like maybe he is an everyday player that's now getting his chance. And injuries can do that. It allows people to step up. I remember last year when the Mayors were really banged up and Taylor Trammell came up. And in my videos, I talked about maybe he is. Now, it turned out to be not the case. Trammell's continued to struggle. But at the time, I was like, you know what? You never know. You never know where great players are going to come from. I mean, I'm trying to think of the roster right now. But, I mean, there's always guys around the league that are not considered top-of-the-line necessarily prospects. And Marlowe wasn't considered a bad prospect. Maybe he is somebody that can take an everyday job. Maybe he is. Maybe it's the spark the team needs. What, what happened to Jose Caballero? When he was called up, we were like, who's this guy? Maybe he's yeah. there for like a couple games to give Colton yeah. Wong a, a breather. And look what happened. He's at least somewhat contributing. Steals bases. He hustles, works the count. And maybe mm -hmm. Cade Marlowe could also be that guy to help at least keep this team afloat and at least keep them relevant in the playoff race. And hopefully Mariners can win those games against the twins win tomorrow against the twins play decent against the diamondbacks and before that trade deadline 
please have them buy because if they stand pat, they're not going anywhere. So hopefully, hopefully they'll be in the better pat. position to hopefully be in the better position to to buy for something. And if I were to be the guessing man on and I, and I think we should talk about that. If the Mariners get into a buying position, where in the positions do you think they should prioritize? Yeah, I, I 100% think they should buy. Even if they did drop out of it, I still wouldn't have said this team should sell because, the. I mean, outside of, like, I would have been fine with selling some of the relievers. I'd be fine with that. I still am. Like, if you can get something for some of these guys, I'm okay with that. But you should still be buying in the process. I think middle infield, I think you've got to look at second base and try to find somebody that's a legitimate everyday player there. I mean, they've tried the stop gaps with Colton Wong, with Adam Frazier, it's not working. You need a legitimate player there. I, I I think you can kind of maybe buy and sell bullpen pieces. Maybe there's an arm out there you like, and you can sell high on somebody, get somebody else in. Um, I, I, I flex flex as manager. <laughs> I will also say starting pitching. I don't starting pitching is one of those things I don't think you can ever have enough of. And I, I mean, in terms of this year, like. You know, Brian Wu and Bryce Miller, I, I know Scott, I think, or Jerry said that, I think it was Jerry, that Wu's going to pitch through the rest of the year. But I think some starting pitching depth wouldn't be the worst thing either. And if you can add a starting pitcher at the trade deadline, um, then in the offseason, you have a lot of starting pitchers that maybe you can deal for a bat as well. So you can look, you have more trade pieces there. But I would say in terms of long-term pieces, middle infield would be my first, second base primarily. For instant impact, some of my opinions are going to be very unpopular, but the popular one is, of course, is maybe looking for someone somewhere in outfield and second base. I think second base could at least be salvaged right now because at least Dylan Moore is starting to heat up a little bit. You can use him in second base. At least Colton Wong is clutch in the last two games, so maybe if if he's being utilized a little bit better, like maybe have him bunt once one. Just use him as a bunting decoy guy. Because at least he didn't screw up on that. And you got Jose Caballero, who still hustles and works the count. But outfield, I think, is some... But that's the thing. Like, can outfield should be looked at? I, I mean, I still do because even, let's say, if you, Jared Kelnick comes back and he's back to where he is, but you can never have too much depth because that means you can move someone into DH spot, give Mike Ford some rest, give Ty France some rest. Like, it'll give you some more things to work around and you can never have too much depth. Nope. And starting pitching also, I think, should not be at least ignored because if you have Bryce Miller and Brian Wu being a little bit taxed on this season, then you can move them into the, one of them in the bullpen yep. to limit their work and get a little bit more established starting pitching that will maybe have some playoff experience. And, of course, I would like any kind of a relief pitcher to be traded for this team because relief pitchers are – typically cheap to go for unless you're the 97 Mariners who had to overpay for Heathcliff Slocum. But I would definitely do bullpen depth because you can't really just rely on Paul Seawall too much as if Scott service really did overuse him and he did use him in unnecessary times. So if at least you have maybe another decent closer or another setup guy or middle guy, at least that will give you some depth because the bullpen depth has been having issues. And I looked up their stats when they are after the eighth inning, I saw that their ERA was creeping to four, and they were, last time I checked, around 15th in the league in bullpen ERA. Once you add your thoughts into it of what my thoughts on who the trade is, I'll be happy to go over those stats just to prove that I have stats and I'm not lying. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on the bullpen. I think it's um, – I think what you have with this bullpen is you've got some very live arms. Someone said – um grab Bellinger made my only issue with Bellinger. I think he's on a one-year deal. And I, he and is I on a one-year deal. The guy strikes out too much, too much on a contract year. I don't trust an NL guy going to the AL. I just don't. Long. I, I wouldn't mind it. If the team was like seven games up in a playoff spot, I'd be fine with that. I don't want to get a lot of guys on one-year deals. When I'm talking second base and stuff, I think for rooftop for the outfit, we're talking more long-term. I'm looking for guys that can help this team next year as well. And that's where I am at with buying. I'm, I, I don't want to buy one year guys. Cause I, I, they're not in it enough right now. I'm fine with little pieces, but um, Oh, uh, mutual option in the second year. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know. I'd have to go look up Bellinger more, but um, to rooftops point, the bullpen, I, I, I tend to agree. I think the bullpen is a little bit 
overrated. I think he got some really live arms. Brash, Munoz, Seawall. Brash has actually stepped up and pitched a lot better than yeah. earlier in the season. And now here we are. So for everyone that says Mariners' bullpen is the amazing thing, when okay. it's the ninth inning and after, they are actually 14th in the league with a 3.49 ERA because that's where they – they give up those runs in the later innings. So the statistics do prove that the Mariners bullpen isn't as elite as the media and the fans are making them out to be because when it comes to baseball, typical baseball fans, when it comes to that stuff, what's the easiest thing to blame? What's the most popular thing to blame? It's the offense. That's all they ever blame. And, but they don't, which is fair. Like the offense, it's not even as good as it was last year. And we said last year it was a problem. But if all you're blaming is the offense, like what about the games where the Mariners did score their runs and their pitching still blew it? So I, I just, because of all these other factors, I think it's a lazy assessment to just say it's the offense. And I just don't expect them to do it. I don't expect casual baseball fans to do nerdy things like I do, like looking at specific stats like eighth inning or later or when someone was picking their nose at this moment. Like I don't expect everyone to know that, but it's, Jobs like people like us doing it for free for the most part. Well, except me, sort of. <laughs> but it's our jobs to look up those kind of numbers and and expose that to all. But mm-hmm. but yeah, like this is a team game. I don't like blaming just one factor because I don't think it's fair to and it has one been. thing. Yeah. And it hasn't been just yeah. offense. Everyone else likes to because it gets the hits. It gets views when people say, oh, offense is terrible. It's the easy thing to do, but they don't look at the stuff I'm looking at. Eighth inning or ninth inning or later, they are 15th in the league in ERA. I I think the thing with this team is that – and if you actually look at some of the offensive numbers, they're actually not terrible. I think it's a little bit of expectations. And and I've been critical of the offense because they do have moments. I'll say the other thing with this team. It's like when the offense clicks, and tonight they got the W out of it. But tonight's kind of a perfect example. The offense has a great game, and George Kirby, did, you know, can't get get outs. You know what I mean? And it's just, and then when the pitching's on, the offense doesn't hit. So it's just been this microcosm of the team. And, and I'm I'm with you on the bullpen too. I think that you've got some really decent high leverage guys. I think you got some good upside guys, but you go past those three, and Munoz has even been a little shaky the last few times. You got a lot of mid guys like Spire, Topa, Saucedo. They're not terrible. They're not terrible. But they're very mid. They're just they're okay. Was the kind of guy you want only if you're up by like more than three. Yeah, it's just it's, to mop things up. Basically, he's like the janitor doing yeah. janitor's work. Yeah, and he's fine. It's just that he's had to be a high leverage guy. And William, I do agree with what you said about cross control players. Excuse me. Yeah. I'm okay. No, I'm going to say that losing Swanson. That's the one concern I had about the Teoscar Hernandez trade. Although Mariners did upgrade getting someone that couldn't be any less healthy than Mitch Hanniger, It did come at the cost of losing Swanson. And if Teoscar doesn't come back with a new contract or at least a one-year negotiation to be like, Hey, let's just give it one more year for the world series. Blue Jays will easily win this trade. Because Swanson is still a fan. Let me look at Eric Swanson's number, but he was one of the better bullpen pitchers of the Mariners. His strikeout to walk ratio was absolutely insane when I looked at it in 2022. This year, too, for Toronto. I don't know. I could be in Toronto. He's two and two with a 2.89 ERA. So he is still well contributing. He's not at the same level as he was last year when he had a 1.68 ERA in 57 games. But we could still use a guy like Eric Swanson. I do think that loss, and it's one of the reasons why people have been more pushing this team to sign free agents. I don't have a problem with that trade, but like you just said, like it's fine getting Teoscar, but it comes at a cost. Like you lose a really good bullpen piece. So, you know, instead of going out and signing somebody, they make a trade. I'm not against trades, but it's why a lot of people push more for the, uh, free agency stuff because you got to give up something to get it. So I don't have a problem with that trade, but I do agree that um, it's certainly that they're missing that wedge from like those middle relievers to the end guys. They don't really have that. I don't know what the word would be for it, but clean up person, you know what I mean? Clean up person to mop things up, not screw it up. But my other thoughts on that trade from with a Teoscar Hernandez trade, 
at first I was like, okay, great. Now are we going to fill the void for Eric Swanson? Sign someone decent at least? Nope, did not happen. We tried Trevor God. That was kind Dang of it. how did that go? And then <laughs> and before the Teoscar Hernandez trade, I was thinking, let's go for Yoshida because I think he would have been the most cost-effective player out of all of them. I remember the free agents. There was Brandon Nimmo, Scott Boris' client. You got you had Trey Turner and like Bogarts. I think those were Boris' clients. I didn't want to touch them either. Would have been too much of a haul for that. But I think Yoshida would have been the safest guy. He was like, what, $20 million per year, which is yeah. still considered cheap in today's MLB. But I think he would have been great. And even with Jared Kelnick doing well, you st- that still could have been something where you could just move things around. And you wouldn't have given up the likes of a Swanson. And I would rather have Yoshida because although he's not has doesn't have the same power as Teoscar, he has an amazing plate discipline. And then I'll look I'll look him up right now and see where his numbers are at. But that's the player I thought the Mariners kind of should have at least at least talked to. Yeah, but no, here's where he is: eleven sure. home runs, fifty-one RBIs, three fifteen batting average. 376 on base percentage. He does strike out more than walks, but 376 on base percentage. Mariners could really use that right now. And, and 11 home runs isn't nothing either. I mean, that's that's that would be like third on this team. And the, the Mariners have so many of these walk and home run or just the home run or nothing, guys. It's why they it's why they struggle in some of these close situations because they're not they don't have a lot of just. You know, I mean, I'm going to use a name here. Of course, nobody has a lot of guys like this, but they don't have the Ichiro type guys. They're just spraying base hits all over the place. They're always waiting for that three-run home run. Now, they got it tonight, and it helped, and it was awesome. But, I mean, so many of these situations, you know, the Blue Jays game, yesterday's game, you know, throughout the year where they just need some of those line drive hitters in the lineup to, to put one in the gap. Yeah, absolutely. And... So, like some because like it tends that Mariners still tend to make the same mistakes of just going for power after power, but they don't like go for the little guys. And we luckily we do have that. We have Caballero and like JP Crawford who grind it out, works JP the count, yep. they hustle. But we also have guys like Eugenio Suarez, Teoscar Hernandez, even Julio Rodriguez are high strikeout guys. And guys like them are the reason why I'm looking forward to prospects like Cole Young. I watched the Cole Young game in Everett last week. At that time, he had yet to strike out. And when I saw him play as a batter, he was really patient at the plate. Like, he wasn't just packing yeah. everything. He he knows when to swing that bat. So that's why I'm looking forward to the likes of him. And I think he should be considered an untouchable prospect. I would if And if the Mariners do trade him, they better get, like, a bona fide superstar for him. Yeah. And, Flick, I agree. France was I – mean, that's something we haven't talked about. I was going to mention that. I slipped my mind. First base. I think his position the Mariners might need. It's an underrated position to look at because Ty France is not what he has been for the last two years. Like, if you've noticed this year, the guy just hacks at everything. He shows a lack of hustle when I'm seeing him run. It's like, you could have at least made it interesting. (laughs) And you see, and the camera just happens to catch him at the worst time where he's just smiling at stupid errors. And then you got a manager, of course, that doesn't doesn't even let him know, like, hey, this is not appropriate to laugh at a bad situation. And that's just common sense. Like if I'm at work, I'm not going to, someone that works in retail has to sell things. I'm not going to just laugh and goof around when things are going like crap. I will only do that when things are going well. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and Ty just hasn't been productive. The power is not good enough. And to offset the power, not being good enough. The average and OBP aren't good enough to offset that. The speed is not good enough. The defense, I think, has been solid, but first base is like the position where, like, I'm willing to sacrifice the defense for the bat. You know what I mean? Like, I'm okay with a lug out there if they can hit a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just so weird. And really, and the thing with Ty is, and I'm seeing, I see all the comments, guys, and I agree with most of you on it. It's been like a calendar year of baseball now, where Ty France has been a very, very mediocre baseball He player. has been, and it's making it a lot easier to make the decision to that if if he does go out in free agency, I don't think he'll be into the world. And if only Evan White was just healthy, we would feel much better about it, but he's not. Mm-hmm. And hopefully – and it's not like the Mariners really have much – prospects to even look forward to on the first base end there's really i mean let me look and see what 
any notable prospects that could maybe take his place. I'm looking at Tyler Locklear as someone. He is yeah. 22, so maybe someone like him, but he's still an A-plus, so right. maybe next year for Lucky. But he's also a third baseman because you got to look at the legs of Eugenio Suarez, who's not going to last forever either. Exactly. And he's it's been he's been lucky enough just to we're lucky enough to see him finally break out somewhat in the second half of the season, but that's not something you can depend on. And the guy strikes out a lot, mm-hmm. but hopefully, yeah. But I agree that looking at first base is a very underrated position to look at too. And it's such a shame. And William, I agree they they keep busting him inside, not giving him anything to go the other way with. And if Evan White was healthy, it just goes to show guys can get that opportunity. Like. He may have gotten a shot. They may have, I don't know, I don't, they're not going to like bench tie, I don't think, but maybe Evan White is up and getting some of those DH first base at-bats and they're platooning Ford and France at DH. They, yeah, they would have They would have absolutely platooned. And yep. if Evan White turned out to be what we at least hope, even like half of what we were hoping, mm-hmm. then losing out on Carlos Santana wouldn't have been as painful. Yep. But instead, we got Evan White who's just, He's just hurt, and maybe years from now we'll understand why it didn't work out for him. Like we've had prospects out there, like DJ Peterson. At first, yeah. we thought it was a mystery why why didn't he work out? Why didn't he even get a call up? It was because the man was just lazy. Yeah, there's a lot of that that you know, like I said, goes on behind the scenes and stuff. So big shame about Evan White because that's it's funny how he went from like you know he was the first of the big prospects to graduate to the big leagues. And then, Didn't he, yeah, he got yeah. a contract before he was yeah. even called up. Exactly. And then he had some moments and then he sort of petered out and Ty France went from DH to first base. And then we just forgot about Evan, Evan White. White. And, and now he when, probably had a shot this year. When Ty France was, was breaking out, that trade with the Padres was looking like absolute genius. And it still is oh, because yeah, – you still got Andres Munoz. At least you had a couple good years of Ty France. Maybe he steps up because yeah. of the situation right now. And he has been playing a slightly a little bit better since he got moved out of the three spot, which he should have never been a three hitter to begin with. Yeah. I always thought of him like as like a five or a six guy, mm-hmm. just like Julio. I'm still okay with him being a three guy, three to a five guy. Mm-hmm. Just like Kelnick when he, if he ever comes back healthy. Always make him a three to a five guy. But that's the question. The Mariners don't really have a legitimate number three guy that you can have him hanging around. But at the very best, I expect Julio long-term to be the number three guy. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's part of the problem. They really don't have it. I think Ty was seven. They They just don't really have anybody. And it's like, as soon as they move someone in there, they just can't really do it. You know what I mean? I think Cal hit third tonight, and it's just kind of musical chairs. Yeah, like that. that one, it was a little bit weird. The only lineup decisions that Scott Service has really nailed, and it's something that should have been done years ago, was having J.P. Crawford as a leadoff hitter, which should have been this entire time because we had stretches where Jared Kelnick was a leadoff hitter in 2021, which I actually believe did stunt his growth because you don't put a high strikeout guy in the leadoff spot. And then Julio Rodriguez, actually even last year in his rookie year, I still didn't like him as the three spot because he is more of a guy that drives and runs more than, but he wanted a guy on first base to steal bases, but he can still do that. It's mm-hmm. And plus you want JP Crawford's leadoff because even if he gets out or strikes out, it took the pitcher like 10 or so pitches to do so. And that's worth it. That's yeah, a successful yeah. that. And that was the thing when Julio was in there. I, I think if Julio is everything is clicking, don't mind him at the leadoff because you do get that speed there, and that's fine. But, man, when Julio – we've seen – when Julio's on, he is joy to watch. Tonight, fantastic. But, man, when Julio struggles because he just doesn't take a lot of pitches, like you said. So, he's making outs like this, and it's like two pitches, three pitches, one pitch outs. With JP, or at least, you know, like you said, even on the outs, you seem to be getting at least six, seven pitch battles and making that starting pitcher – work a little bit um to to do that so and and julio just wasn't doing that but at least today he finally stepped up and kind of got it right now it's really unclear what tomorrow is going to be like but at least we have bryce miller to to look forward to so hopefully bryce miller can step up and get the job done but at the same time the twins have another less than four era guy so i don't expect really much for tomorrow which is why i'm going to the casino and even putting my money on a 
Twins as a favorite. Yeah, I think it's Joe Ryan, if I'm not mistaken, for the Twins. I can take a look. And Flick of the Switch is saying, Kelnick and France for Tapete Alonso. The Mets would completely laugh you out of the door for that. And I don't, and I'm not willing to get rid of Kelnick. I am, it's uh, Ryan who's nine and six with a 3.88. And I will say this I do believe that Jared Kelnick can still be a star. It's just been a really weird season for him where he had that April and even that little bit of a May spark, but then something just happened where, and that, and it wasn't even the injury either because that injury was preventable, which I do think that if team culture was just a little bit better, if there was a little bit more discipline, Jared Kelling does not do that. Lou Pinella wouldn't have allowed that to happen. I think it's fair. And I was very critical of it. Um, in my video, I said, um, that, you know, it was an undisciplined act. It was a selfish act. And, you know, that's a good point. Maybe, you know, that is, is is the culture in the locker room allowing that stuff to happen. I mean, obviously like, you know, good vibes only can only go for so long. And obviously, like, you can't stop it from happening, but are they putting these guys in positions where they're thinking, like, that's an acceptable response to that? And Kelnick's kind of had, I'm not going to say he's had anger issues, but, like, that's not the first time Kelnick's let his emotions get the best of him. I saw it all the way back in Tacoma where yeah. he was playing pretty well, but then he had a strikeout and he just chucked his bat. And I saw that and I'm going to go, oh. And my thought was, yep, as much as I love this guy and looking forward to him, he's gonna be someone to deal with and like i said i'm not different from him i have the same similar personality as he does when i played softball and something didn't go my way i threw my bat and there was one time i threw my bat and i actually broke the tip of it and it was useless yeah but i at least made sure everyone was safe last time i threw last time i threw a bat i ran out of the field and then threw my bat (laughs) it was still embarrassing don't get me wrong it's not something you should be doing the only reason it's good to do it because you're letting yourself out, but then at the same time, it's at the cost of exposing your personality and you are losing respect. And also what's more embarrassing, I was the captain of that team. Yeah, I mean, that's – listen, I, I think that's – and Kellnick's got to find a way and the coaching staff has to help him do it, find a way to – you can have those emotions. I I respect that Jared Kellnick cares that much. He cares. He has a heavy amount of passion. Like, but I have that personality. I yeah. – I'm a very uptight guy, and it's because I care and I want something to happen for the good of everyone else. But we need, like, if we had, like, Lou Pinella, Jim Leland-type guys, even Joe Madden, that is not allowed. Like, if even Kelnick even thought of doing that, he would have gotten the talking. Like, Jim Leland would have been like, no, I'm not going to allow that. Like, look, how did he handle Barry Bonds when he was acting like a five-year-old in front of a cameraman or some personal trainer? Like Jim Leland put him in his place, and Barry Bonds is like, "Yep, you were right," and everyone was like, "Was Jim Leland being mean to you?" He's like, "No, I was, I was an idiot." <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, some of those guys were like, "Listen, when you're healthy, you're not coming back because you let your team down. You made a selfish decision here, and and it was like, I respect Kellnick's and that he answered the questions after it and stood up there to the media and took responsibility and. Like in I fact, was, he had the balls to even yeah. show up to the media because yeah, no one I mean, else would have. They would have declined well, the in- interview easily. And I respect that, but he's also like he let his team down 100%. And he was starting to pick it back up a little bit. So we'll see. But, you know, hopefully Cade Marlowe can fill in and do the job. or maybe At least for the meantime, so he yeah. could at least play some decent bench role. And he does have some speed, I guess. Like the guy yeah. hustles too. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. and that's some things that, I do think that Jerry DePoto and Scott, they do look at, they are at least good at finding the hustle guys like the JPs. That, he's a pure hustle guy. Like I'm that Gene Segura trade is genius. Now, like yeah. I'm starting to think the Mariners, I would say that it was more of a flat. It was like, it worked for both teams for their separate yeah. reasons, but yep. long-term wise, well, I mean, yeah, the Mariners, but at this, for their purposes, the purposes were served for both. And then you got, what was it, Caballero out of nowhere. He's a hustler. And now you got Cade Marlowe who showed some hustle today. So if we get those kind of guys, which that's what the Mariners need, they need some at least a few of those hustle players. Like Haggerty last year was a hustle guy. Dylan Moore is still a hustle guy. Mariners should have no issue with at least nailing the third spot. As much as everyone wants to say, well, the American League East is too much or – 
we got Houston that's in the way, or even the Angels are trolling along. But as long as the Mariners take care of themselves, you don't worry about other teams. That's none of your business. You just, what you can control is what you can control yourself. And plus, what is it, July 25th? Still got two more months of baseball. Plenty of baseball left. No reason to sell this team. Like, if, they, but I just hope they don't sell Paul Seawald because I keep hearing those rumors and there's like, yeah, sell him while he's on the contract here. But I'm like, no, just pay the guy at the end of the season. And, but if you're going to sell Paul Seawald, you better get like high impact players and some yeah. team that's dumb enough to give up that much. Like, yeah, the only someone. way I'll give up Paul Seawald is if the other team, pulls like a Heathcliff Slocum type trade. That's the only way I will support that trade. And plus, this sounds ridiculous, but back in 97, the Boston Red Sox got Jason Veritek and Derek Lowe off of Heathcliff Slocum. Imagine what the Mariners can get out of Paul Seawald from some dumb team. Sometimes you, that's the other thing in trades. It's not about like, of course, what you can get. It's about how you get them, which team you can fool. Some teams yep. are desperate to get rid of someone and they'll pay the high price for it. It's about finding them. And it's basically a sales job anyway. Well, and you got team um, teams that um, like Arizona is their bullpen. I think has given up runs in like 18 straight games or something. I was reading. They haven't competed in a while. Maybe they get desperate. They've got a couple guys knocking on the door. That would be interesting. Um, and I think if you trade Paul, I'm okay with it. But I want guys that are coming in here are going to be playing. I don't want guys that are, well, you should be here in six years. You know what I mean? No, nah, we don't have time for that. Yeah, like, if you're trading it, Paul Seawald, you better get someone. And on top yeah. of that, you better make a good, cheap trade for a closer because as of now, I just don't want to see a Paul Seawald trade because it would be too much like the Kendall Graveman trade. And that trade, exactly I be, still yeah. don't understand. But And, of course, the excuse is, well, he was on a contract year. But the Mariners were competing for the playoffs, and – that's the problem with having such cheap ownership is you have the mindset of the scarcity mindset of like, well, he's going to cost too much. Well, maybe sometimes there are players out there. They are willing to take just a little bit of less pay, just if it means to win a world series, it's about the art of negotiating for a better deal. Yeah. Not about going cheap because you, you can't afford to get too lucky. Like, yes, Paul Seawall was found out of luck. Swanson was found out of luck. I guess Brash was found out of luck. Yeah. You can't rely on that. Like the, Paul Seawall and yes, Graveman, they were like failed pitchers before, but, and they tried that with Trevor Gott and Topa. Topa has been, he's a mop guy, but Gott did not work out. And there are times where you just got to spend the money. And when it comes to spending money, it's not like us fans. We're not asking for like someone to go for someone for 10 years or whatever. We're not, we're not that's not what we're asking. We're just asking for, just a little bit more to get us over the top for some decent players. That's all we're asking. Even Billy Bean was like that in money movie Moneyball. When he asked the man, he asked his owners, like, I'm not asking for a, a big contractor, get me another Giambi or something, or Damon. Just get me just a little bit more to get me over the edge. Yeah. Well, and then you know, you make these trades, and it's like, are you are you making them? Because like I said, I'm fine with trading Paul if you're getting something that are, you know, some hitters that are ready to contribute now, stuff like that, or are you trading him to get cute? And that's was my beef with the Graveman trade. Not against it. I, I'm fine with trading relievers. Well, I was like against said, day one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. And, and I, I didn't, but I didn't like the return on it. And it seemed like trading Graveman for Jer- Toro. And, and the and- only way it would have made sense if Toro became our everyday second baseman, which – that's what it looked like at the end of the season because yeah. he was at least clutch, but it turned out he was just a dud and he still is. So it's I will say it. I'm a hundred percent against trading Paul Seawald. I, because for a team like this, as much as people say, well, we have club control, club control with those players do not last forever. Team yeah. players regress. So I think the time to win is immediately. And I still think this team not saying World Series, even though I delusionally think so. Like, I do think they could have won a World Series last year. I do think that. But they should at least make another deep run of the playoffs and do at least better. And look at the teams right now. It's not like everyone's dominant. It, Houston's been banged up, and they're just starting to get in the groove. Texas chokes in the playoffs, like, all the time, usually. 
like except you have Bruce Bochy, so who knows? Toronto chokes. Let, let me let's look at the standings. I just man, I'm having too much fun with this. And sleepy, I did see your comment. Um, yeah, Jonathan India would definitely be someone I'd look at for the right price. I don't know all of what that would cost. That is definitely. Little, I would that. think the Reds are going to ask for a lot. I'm a little bit surprised That's, that the Reds yeah. are trying to trade India when they are literally contending for like the first time in like yeah. years. Yeah, but here's but here's the thing, Baltimore. You, I can't really. That's the thing. Like, I can't really bank on them for sure being a World Series contender. Tampa Bay has already kind of. They've been falling off. They've been three and seven their last ten. Toronto has been proven to choke in the playoffs. Boston, I don't really see much of them, really. It's it just just there in terms of competition. Mm-hmm. Yankees, they don't even have pitching, and Aaron Judge is hurt. Yeah. Got Minnesota. I think that's beatable if you got in the playoffs with them. Cleveland, well, they're pretty much out of it, but if they're in the playoffs, they have the Cleveland curse factor still. You got, okay, Texas, they choke in the playoffs usually. Houston is not last year's Houston. That's I'm going to say that. That sounds delusional, but they're not last year's Houston. I can tell you that. Angels will fall apart. And yeah, in, in terms of American League, it's it's not as closed as people think. Yes, like a few months ago, oh yeah, it was like it's all Tampa Bay or all Baltimore, all Texas, but not so much, which is why I think selling is just unnecessary. And you look at the National League, everyone's – I'm not really a, the only team I'm really afraid of in the National League is really Atlanta, and of course point, Miami. Because when you play Miami in a traditional year in the playoffs, they always win the World Series. And, two and of two, and it's and if you're playing Atlanta, you're in the World Series. So at that point, like you know what I mean, I'm not too worried about the NL. Atlanta, I would be afraid of. That's the only team I'm scared of. Uh, Milwaukee is beatable. I I can live with playing against. I'm, now this is looking way far ahead in terms of World Series. Uh, Dodgers they basically have their Scott Service. He's he's like a not as crappy version. He's Dave Roberts, and I have a friend who's a Dodgers fan. He says that he's basically National League Scott Service, and I keep telling him that every day that Scott Service makes Dave Roberts look like Tommy Lasorda. So, so yeah, like the competition isn't as fierce as people make it out to be which is why i never understand why people want to sell because it's an easy thing to say it gets hits uh, but how far back are the man how many games they remember they're not in though that's the thing they're, they're not in but they're not out no they're, now, not, let's they're take not out they're not out what are they five and a half back though they are five exactly and it yeah. could have been around two if they won there's those two games yeah. it's just so not, it, it's just my, my thing is like and I'm not for selling. I think they should buy because I think this team, even if it doesn't get in, I think it can compete next season, honestly. Um, and you buying prevents others from being able to buy. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't need another 2002 and 2003 where the Mariners allowed Oakland and like Boston and everyone else to make trades. And next thing you know, Mariners were pretty much outmatched by everyone because they didn't make a trade because of cheapness. And if they do that again... I will make a video saying the Mariners just put their season on death sentence. Yeah, the worst thing you can do is stand pat, in my opinion. I, I would say I'd rather sell than stand pat. I mean, I don't want to stand pat because yeah, at least if you sell, maybe there's hope for prospects. Yeah, but if you stand yeah. pat, that means there's no commitment to anything. And that's what 2002 and 2003 was, where they didn't even make a impact trade at all, which is why everyone else basically steamrolled them out of the playoffs. And we were the butt of the money ball of 2002. Yeah. Yep. Because they just stood there and did nothing. That's, and yeah, when in terms of, I'm seeing people talk about seven and a half in division five in the wild card. I, I think that's all doable. Just there's a lot of teams that got to climb. That's my concern here. And if they don't start, um, or just said turned around. Now, hopefully the good news is like the Mariners are a winning streak away. I mean, they almost had it. Like, they should have probably won the last two before this. They'd be on a six-game winning streak. And, you know, I think we'd all feel about as optimistic as possible. It's just this team can't keep doing this, winning four in a row, getting us excited, and then they go and lose three in a row. They've got to kind of sustain this. And if they can win tomorrow, that's two series wins in a row against two good teams. Then you got to go to Arizona and you got to win a series. Like, they just have to do – that. they got to stay consistent. Like Rooftop said earlier – 
focus on what they need to do. Right now, don't worry too much about the standings. I mean, it, it, it's, it's there. It's hard not to look at. But if you win series and take care of business, then, you know, there's a chance. I agree. Like, I, I feel like I've been saying the same thing for 90 games now. But it, the, the, the thing is, like Rooftop said, you look at the, the rest of the wild card stuff, these other teams have a lot of the same problems the Mariners do. You know what I mean? So now the problem is Mariners are five games back of those teams. So they've got to make it up. But there are a lot of flawed teams in there. It's not crazy that they could get on a winning streak and flick. I know we've been saying all year, I'm not predicting it, but that possibility is still there for them. If they can somehow win tomorrow and maybe they sweep in Arizona and you've got yourself a five-game winning streak and who knows, maybe you're two back at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and I know you said something about like there's a lot to climb, but I found I came across a video. Now, does anyone in this video or anyone in the chat box – Remember the great show, The Playmakers, from ESPN from 2003. It was a football show. I remember that show. So I found a clip that is extremely similar to the Mariners situation right now in terms of playoff implications. I'm about to show you that right now. And, my God, would it? we should probably do a reaction show. to Something I'm going to ask the, the mic guy, um, the yeah. lights, whatever that show is, which I did a major league show with him. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it in just a moment. Here it is. I'm probably gonna get copyright up the butt on this. Coach, we win our next two games. Do we make the playoffs? Uh, we could if uh, New Jersey beats Boston, Memphis beats Nashville, and we finish ahead of Phoenix in net points and conference games. Meaning our margin of victory needs to be at least 18 points more than theirs. Thank you. There's also wins within. The yeah, season. yeah, we get the idea. Which is. It is way too complicated to figure out. So let me make it real simple for you. We take care of business, and the rest will fall into place. Exactly. As the, if the Mariners take care of business themselves, which they could have been doing this entire season with just – if you really think about it, Mariners were about a couple good decisions away from leading the division, I will say. But if the Mariners take care of themselves, they don't have to worry about climbing all these teams. I just look at – the only thing I look at is how many games they're back from that final spot. That is all what matters. And like I said, if Scott Service makes better decisions, the offense steps up when they have to, the bullpen holds the leads, they can still make the playoffs and at least make some kind of run because the talent they have – and the soul and heart they have when things are going right, and as maybe maybe do away with the maybe go back to that Darth Vader helmet celebration. I actually like that one. I thought that one was more. I think that was more to the identity of the team. I hate the trident with a passion. I think I want them to go back to the Vader. Is, is that thing even the Vader hat? I think it is, isn't it? It looks like it. It's just colored in Mariners colors, but it is like that, like covering he has over his face face mask thing so no and, and it is it, it is a really good point it's listen there's 60 games left take care of business try not to focus on the standings this team can win series tomorrow's a big one win this series against a team that's kind of giving you fits and everything like that you can find a way to win it you won the toronto series they should have swept but it, it is what it is they won the series you can keep doing that you're you're going to get into this thing so yeah you, there is still time to go two of three for the rest of the season yeah, yeah. but once you get but if you're in september and you're still five games back then yeah you basically have to sweep the entire season yeah it's and that's been and that's why some of these losses have been so frustrating because they're probably going to hit a snag somewhere where they're going they're not going to win every series the rest of the way no you don't expect that yeah, so it's like they should have swept Toronto. They should have won yesterday. They should have. I'm sure there's other games that they've had here that they should have won. It's like, and obviously you're not going to win every close game. You're going to blow a game somewhere in the season. But man, there's just been like one of those Baltimore games that they lost, and just six or seven games. Or like you said, I mean, if some of those go the way they did last year for them, they may be in first place right now. You know what I mean? If if the you could probably point out eight games, I go, yep, they should have won those. And they I mean, really should have. Oh, and looks like it says San Francisco is apparently leading in the Otani sweepstakes. I know how to ruin San Francisco for Otani. People crap on the streets and they don't clean up. They don't clean up after themselves and they're not held accountable there. I think that's all he anyway, needs to know. 
<laughs> but at the same time, Seattle has the same problem too. But it's not as bad as San Francisco. Well, it's otherwise. But at least Seattle knows how to stage an all-star game better than anyone yes. on a off a crappy city. I don't think LA would have done any better. They, no. they couldn't. They yeah, couldn't clean that entire city. That much. <laughs> Seattle just had to clean a block, and they're right? fine. <laughs> He's in LA right now, which I mean is worse. So <laughs> it's a lot worse. And yeah. I've been there. Like I saw things in LA that I never saw in Seattle. That yeah. yeah. Too much to say, but man, we still have 16 views. Do you have anything else to say? Because we're an hour into the show, and I know you got to do your daily post thing. So I don't yeah, want to hold that. that. And Josh makes a good point there. The last three series are Rangers, Houston, Rangers. I mean, if you go into that series three, four back of the division wild card every way, you at least have a chance. You know what I mean? You're at least, if you can take care of business in those games, you will have an opportunity. So it's still there for this team. I have my doubts just how they've played. Yeah, of course. You know, but they, they, you know, they get that win today and somehow they find a way to keep me invested. They just keep, they just do. They, they, it's, it's, <laughs> so it's good though. I want to be invested. I want them to get in the playoffs. Like I want to watch playoffs. Baseball was fun last year. I hadn't experienced it since I was 14, you know? So, I mean, it was, it was fun to see it and be involved in it. And I want that again. And I, I do think this team has the talent to do it. Um, I, I really do. I think it is good enough to go on a streak. Julio, like maybe this is a start of it. Julio is good enough to be, an MVP candidate player. I believe that. I believe that's in him. Cal Raleigh can get hot. Gino can get hot. I even think as much as he's frustrated, I think Ty France can be better than what he's done. You know, and... So, he yeah. should have gotten that all-star spot last year because he would still be motivated and be like, yeah. hey, I should have gotten that all-star spot. I'm going to prove those haters wrong, but now he doesn't have that chip on his shoulder anymore. Yeah, and they can make additions, and the bullpen's been up in the air, but I do think there's enough stuff there to make it good and i think friday to that. oh yeah we're looking at friday and not only is it potentially the both of us but our good friend mike who has unlimited energy that i don't even have oh, he no. is projected to also join that show which would be great because you have seen me on and off the show several times so if i'm not there on time you still got the two of them to basically cover the load and we can all do our cross things you can do it off of the trident you can do it off of me so there are ways to yeah if we have the three of us worst case scenario you you think you'll probably just have down the two yep yep so looking forward to that next week um if anybody else has any questions fire them in there flick we know you'll be there we're looking forward to it <laughs> oh when is he not there that's the bigger question it. i have for him but i think, the commercial I think for flick yeah but I think that's going to do it. I want the Jay Trident to get his little, his YouTube video in there. I got some cuts to do for an hour. For an hour. And, and then the other thing I'm looking to experiment is doing audio podcasts only because YouTube has that. Maybe throw Spotify in there and maybe get some more tractions on the views. But until then, hit subscribe to all of us. And most importantly, hit subscribe to me because it will really help the algorithm hit the likes because I do plan to make a special video in August, at least writing the script. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it is in August. And by the time that video is ready, I want there to be as much exposure as possible. So to help that, hit that subscribe button because I want that video to take off as much as all my other ridiculous videos I made. The Jordan Alvarez video, the 2000 Mariners video, the Tino Martinez video, the A-Rod video. And oh, Rooftop Mariner ASMR. There you go. I don't even know what that even means. It's like this thing where people talk real softly and they do like role plays and stuff. It's super popular on YouTube. Autonomous like, sensory. I don't even know. Meridian response, I think. There, there's people that do that, like millions of subscribers. It's like, but they like touch, they like rub things softly. It's, I, I don't know. I'm not into it, but it's, it's you should popular. try the no commercial live stream uh, here. Okay. I know. <laughs> But how about if you give everyone contributes to 50 bucks and I will play it. That's all you got to do. Just give <laughs> moolah 
and I will forego the commercials unless you guys want me to come up with some crazy commercial ideas like the other day with me and Mike. Whenever I said, well, if the Mariners, if Ty France hits an RBI, I'll do 25 push ups on commercial break, which I did. So. Oh, we got push ups. I missed the push ups. We finally had push ups in the game. I did the push ups. But I, I mean, how about you feel like running a commercial? You do push ups instead. Um, yeah. Well, depends on the situation. Like if Colton Wong hits a home run, that's like how many, like 50 push ups? <laughs> and plus, you know, I could use a workout, and I, I, I am about 15 pounds overweight, so I could use a good excuse to get a good workout. Let's set push-ups for each player that they hit a home run. Like Tay, who had like Tao and Cal would be like five, Colton yeah. 50, Caballero 65. Like Fair. we set something for you for each Caballero is worth less than Colton Wong. Yeah, true, true, true. Like, um, Ty France doesn't hit into a single double play. That's going to worth something. Yep. Oh, Scott Service's bullpen decision actually works. That is go. definitely worth push-ups. There we go. Or, man, what else? There's so many possibilities. I, but I, I think, think if you're happy with a, something Scott did. That's like a thousand push-ups for you. I think oh. the rooftop goes, wow, I like that. That's like a thousand push-ups right there. But if it's, but you know, I'm always going to find ways to criticize them anyway. <laughs> so I don't think that's going to work. But oh, looks like Oakland with lost. Decisions, so Oakland lost. Been, if that was 2021, that would have been useful. I was going to say that would have helped like three years ago. <laughs> wow, 28 and 75. What's that's awful. Make a list. Run it by us on Friday. Okay, fine. Like How about it. fine? How about fine? No commercial on Friday. I don't know. And plus, my my buddy who runs that business, he's actually overbooked right now. So Look I don't that's helped. Yeah. Well, I don't think it helped, but maybe the spirits, yeah, the vibes, yeah, vibes, maybe. Vibes. But I didn't get he didn't get the twenty percent. So whatever. So yeah, I guess we'll do push up shows on commercial break, dependent on situations. There we go. We'll come up with right. something for it. That'll be fun, actually. <laughs> that is it for today. Love you Trident's got to make his own post game and just crash to sleep. I got some work to do, but thank you very much for being on the show. And we had, I think up to 20 people watching. So once again, hit that subscribe button to the both of us. See you guys on Friday. Worst case scenario. I'm late, but anyways, enjoy yourselves a good night and go Mariners. Let's hope let's go for that two of three.